confidence because Hallelujah. I'm thankful for what I can feel, but more importantly, what I know. Jesus Christ is able to do all things. We welcome all of you in the wonderful name of Jesus. I want to say hi to all of the folks who are with us online. I don't know who all, but I see Ruth Webb and Wally Henderson and Alicia Dunn, Janice Gaudet, Roberta Henderson, Sharon Clements, Justin Channel, Julie Hilliard, Grace Seidlinger, Dan Fortin, and more. But those are the ones I see right now on my screen. And I know there's many more. And I feel like the Lord is here tonight to do a great work among us. I'm thankful for God. Tonight I'm going to <clears throat> preach. I believe what God has given me. And I feel like there's somebody in the building tonight, and maybe somebody also online, that should be baptized and have not, has not been baptized yet, but you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by immersion. Now, you might have been sprinkled, you might have been baptized using the words Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but I feel like the Lord is telling me that you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And I think it's very important. So the water is warm. And I'll try not to preach too long so you'll get a chance to go up and get baptized. We have robes. We have towels. We have everything you need. And it is very incredibly important. I'll never forget, <clears throat> some of you have heard my story, but I was preaching in a little town called Olney, Illinois, and there was a little lady that came up. She was a senior citizen. She was kneeling. And the Lord spoke to me as I walked behind her. So I got in her ear and I said, Grandma, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Now, I'd never met the woman, didn't know anything about her, but God showed me. <clears throat> so I said what God gave me to say. She got baptized the next night, came out of the water speaking with tongues. See, this is not about a religion. This is an experience that you need with God. <clears throat> she came out of the water speaking with other tongues. One year later, when I went back to preach in that church, I said, where's Grandma? And they said, oh, she went to be with the Lord since you left last year. I just feel like it's important for somebody tonight to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And now, if you would, please... I want to go to the book of Luke, chapter 15, and I appreciate your helping me out tonight. Yeah. Hallelujah. Whenever you're going to preach, do not drink a latte before you preach, okay? Because it coats your throat. And so the preacher might be clearing his throat a couple times if he has drank a latte. I'm not offering any confessions. But I'm going to the book of Luke. And Brother Caleb 
uh, Brother Channel contacted me and said, you did a fantastic job this morning in Hamden. Praise God. Brother Caleb was preaching for our church in Hamden this morning, and I understand they had a great time. And I think Brother Justin Channel may be watching. I'm not sure if he's still with us or not. All right, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Are you ready? I'm waiting on Sister Donna. Are you ready? Okay. She's ready. Where we go? And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And for a few moments, with your help and with God's anointing, I want to preach, come home, it's supper time. And I believe that there's somebody watching online. Please don't turn it off. Please stay with me. I believe God is talking to you tonight. And would you join me right now in prayer? Lord Jesus. You are great in battle. Hallelujah, Lord, and you love us. God bless you. You may be seated. A man had two sons. He loved those kids so much. He would say things like, I love you to the moon and back. Those kids were the apple of his eye. Dad loved those kids so much that, honestly, his whole world revolved around them. And it was no secret that he was proud of those boys. You could see his face light up when they came home from school. Or when they came home from work. He just wanted to spend a little bit of time with them, if he could. And sometimes this dad would buy them something just as a surprise, not because of anything in particular, but just to surprise them. Maybe an unusual gift at Christmas or an unusual gift at the birthday. And it brought him so much joy to see their excited faces when they found out what he had gotten for them. When a person decides to leave the family, it's not usually a sudden decision. At first, the child, the teenager, the young adult hides their plans from dad as they lay their plans of, of leaving home. Not just leaving home, but leaving family traditions. They begin separating themselves ever so gradually from the ones who love them the most. There is a process that takes place when a person becomes a prodigal. It's not something that happens overnight. It, it happens over a process of time like Cain, 
who was blessed and his mother said, I've gotten a man-child from the Lord. But then the Bible said, in the process of time. And so it is that young people, young adults, kids, begin separating themselves and allowing themselves to think about going a whole complete different route than their parents have. Now, I will say this about dads. I have to make a confession for all the dads. Dads can be very naive. Mom usually knows she's got a hand on the pulse of the family. She knows what's going on. Dad's just out there in la-la land. He doesn't know what's going on. So don't be too hard on your spouse. Typical male thing. And this dad never saw it coming until it happened. And that was the day when the younger son told his dad, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting for you to die. Now that's kind of a harsh thing to say to somebody. Impolite, rude, disrespectful. But this boy had been doted on by his dad and he had been given everything that his dad could give him. And he walks up to him and, and he says, I, I, I want my share of the estate. I don't want to wait for you to die. That one statement hit dad like a bullet to the heart. It was all dad could do to stay standing. He felt like somebody had just sucker punched him in the gut. But he stood there trying to be the man. He was a grown man, but it was all dad could do not to ball right there in front of his son, God and everybody. And he was biting his lip, and he was looking at the boy, and the boy had become hard. In spite of dad's objections, in spite of dad trying his efforts to to convince his son that he was making a, a huge mistake, the boy stubbornly shook his head and he refused to listen to his dad's pleadings. There was a hardness that had taken over this once kind and tender-hearted and loving son. When he talked to his dad, well, you could see it. His face was stony. And he was pretty much emotionless. There wasn't a whole lot of emotion when he came up and said, I want my share now. He had made up his mind and that was all there was to it. See, he had already talked with a few of his so-called friends and they had encouraged him. And I, I want to say this morning, I'm going to say, you need to be careful who you to counsel you. Bad counsel can destroy you forever. He was careful not to let his dad know what his plans were. But his friends 
to go through with it. I can hear them. They're, they like, you have to do what you want to do. The church is not for everybody, you know. You will really like your freedom. Just go ahead and go for it. So the dad was reasoning against all of this, and he could not get his son to realize the mistake that he was about to make. He tried so hard to rationalize with his boy, but his boy just got angry and disrespectful. And the longer it went, the worse it got. So dad shrugged his shoulders, and he said, Okay. I really love you, and I love you so much. I'm going to do exactly what you just asked me to do. I'm going to divide my wealth between You would think that the older boy would look at his dad and say, Well, Dad, you know, I, I feel like a heel. I've, I don't know what I was thinking, but no. Seems like sometimes people come under a spell or something. Seems like they get mesmerized or hypnotized and they're doing something that's going to take them down the wrong road. And, and oftentimes God will send people along and they will say, hey, did you really think that's the right thing? And oftentimes there will be people completely unrelated They'll come from different sources and from different places and they'll say, hey, you, you really think that's a good idea? What, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? Maybe that's not. And God will send people to talk to the person who's making a bad choice. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings while his mom cried and dad walked out into the yard. He packed his stuff. Always this, this young man was careful to maintain his distance. He would only let his loved ones get so close to him now because he didn't want anybody changing his mind. So he purposely put some emotional distance between him and those who might try to get him to make a different decision. He determined that nobody would get the chance to sway him. Nobody was going to get the chance to change his mind, and he followed through. He followed through with his plan. And he took a trip, the Bible said, to a distant land. Oh, now, hold on. Maybe it wasn't a distant land geographically, but it was a different distant land from everything he had been taught. See, the prodigal doesn't have to go very far geographically, but it was different from what dad had taught him. It was different from what the preacher and the pastor had taught. And he went to a distant land. He pushed from his mind all the nighttime stories, all the prayers that had been prayed over him every night before he went to sleep. 
He pushed out of his mind all the chuckles and the belly laughs. Nope. He was determined. He was going to do what he said he would do, and that's final. And he walked. Where hustle's the name of the game. And nice guys get washed away like the snow and the rain. There's been a load of compromising on the road to my horizon. But I'm going to be where the lights are shining on me. Like a rhinestone cowboy riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo. Like a rhinestone cowboy getting cards and letters from people I don't even know and offers coming over the phone. Well, that's what he had believed when he walked out of Dad's house. He was going to show them that he was old enough to call his own shots. He could make his own decisions and he could do just fine. Now, we fast forward and time has gone by. Money has been wasted on parties and prostitutes. The twinkle has left his eye. Now he's singing a different verse. Well, I really didn't mind the rain and a smile can hide all the pain, but you're down when you're riding the train that's taken the wrong way. And I dream of the things I'll do with a subway token and a dollar tucked inside my shoe. There's been a load of compromise on the road to my demise. And if God doesn't help me, my God, I know I'm through. About the same time his money was gone, a great famine swept over the land. Folks, I've always told you that there's two things that you need to remember. God saved you for something and from something. When you walk out of the will of God, when you walk out of the plan of God for your life, you are walking into something that God never intended for you ever to see. He never intended for you ever to see that. He never intended for you ever to feel that. He never intended for you to go through that pain. He never intended for you to experience that loss. And when his money ran out, his, his friends ran out. And a famine swept over the land. And for the first time, the young man knew what it was to be hungry. And not able to get anything to eat. You'd be surprised if you knew the people that live under the bridge. Some of them were once successful business people. You'd be surprised at the educated people that live in the ghettos. That one time were practicing attorneys or practicing doctors. And now... They live begging just for one more shot in the arm. One more snort of cocaine. One more bottle of cheap wine. Somewhere in those people's lives, there are 
some of them that have families somewhere back home that are praying for them and asking God, Lord God, in your name, please God, have mercy. This young man had never known what it was like to go hungry, to go to bed with your stomach growling and not able to find anything to feed yourself. He had never imagined it, but now he was living it. I think there's, there's something to be said, is it not? There's something to be said about appreciating what God has given us. I think sometimes we, we don't realize how blessed we are, how blessed we really are. When I was worshiping God tonight over there and praising God, I was thinking about what a blessing it is to be able to come to the house of God and, and these people up here praising God. And I thought, my goodness, here we are. God has kept us. We're healthy. God has blessed us. And, and we're singing the songs of Zion. And, and our sins are forgiven. And the blood of Jesus has washed over us. And oh, I'm so blessed. Thank you, Jesus. And that's when my feet start going. That's when my hands start waving because he brought me out of the miry clay. The boys could almost swear that at night sometimes he could he hear some evil laughter from somewhere in his bedroom as he thought about home and the good times he had one time had with his dad. So it was that he persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. Now you have to understand when Jesus tells this story, he's telling it to Jews. And pigs are unclean. And so what he's telling you is the boy is now doing things he swore he'd never do. He's doing things he never thought he'd have to do. He's working a job that he never thought he'd have to work. He went to see if a local guy could help him. And the guy said, you just get on down into the pigsty and you uh, work hard and I might give you a little something for it. But it won't be much. The boy became so hungry, the Bible says, that this is nasty, that even the pig slop he was feeding the swine looked good. I've been around farms. I know what you give pigs. There's a reason they call it slopping the hogs. And this boy's belly button was sticking to his backbone. And he said, you know, I think maybe I'll just try a little taste of that. And, and of course, he puked it right out. Doing things that he never thought he would ever do. Involved in things, lost his future, lost his blessing, lost his relationship, lost his joy, lost his peace. And I am preaching to somebody right now that the devil is counting on you to die in that condition. He is planning for your demise. He fully intends for you to die outside the will of God. 
He knows that you have been blessed. He knows that you've been part of the family of God. He knows that one day you spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave you the utterance. And He knows that you've been baptized in Jesus' name. And He is your sworn enemy. He has decided to take you out. young man went around and he said, Sir, is it possible I could just have a slice of bread? Is it possible you just got a biscuit or something? I'll be honest with you. I think I'm starving. But the Bible said no one gave him anything. He sat down with a pen one night. They wrote a long letter to his dad. It went something like this. Dear dad, how are things back home? Bet you never thought I'd, you thought I'd never care. There was a time I felt lucky just to be away from there. I'd had all of what I wanted. Now what I want, I just can't find. And how are things at home? It's been lately on my mind. Dad, I'm all alone in New York City, searching for that pot of gold. But I'm at the end of all my rainbows. And all at once, I'm feeling old. Daddy, I'm kind of tired of how I'm living of what I am and what I'm not. And Daddy, I'll be honest with you. The only gold I found in New York City was in a Salvation Army pot. And that's when the young man woke up and came to his senses. That's when he woke up cold, dirty, stinking, emaciated, Counted out by the world as a loser. No one remembered his once successful life. Never forget going to the hospital. And as I was walking out of the hospital room praying for someone in our church, there was a lady in the next room and our eyes met as I walked out and she smiled. And so I stepped into her room and I spoke with her. She was a very articulate woman. Very nice. I asked her if she'd like for me to pray for her, and she said it was fine. And we prayed, and, and then I asked her, I said, Ma'am, what did you do uh, in your career? Because she was a, a very senior person. What? She said, I, I, I worked in law. I said, You did? Yes, yeah, she said, I was the first female attorney general of the state of Maine. I recognized instantly that that woman in the Johnny who had lost her identity, who was treated like everybody else, was a very significant and important person. But nobody knew it. And quite honestly, nobody cared. When I walked out of that room, I met the nurse, and we have some good nurses in our church. Please don't be offended. And I said, do you know who you're taking care of? And she said, no. 
I said, that's the first female attorney general for the state of Maine. She said, right. I said, ma'am, I believe she's telling me the truth. And you could just see the disbelief on the eyes of this lady. I went home. I opened up my computer. And I typed her name in. And it just started giving me page after page. And she was exactly who she said she was. I am telling somebody in this room and somebody online that the devil would love to erase everything that you've ever done that was a success. He would like to put you among the anonymous and, and leave you alone and without hope and without help. Never forget another story that happened to me. I was on an airplane traveling, doing the work of God and Something happened and the, tr uh, the plane had to be diverted. I believe uh, we diverted to Atlanta, Georgia. Well, it was a late night by the time I got to my motel room. They put me up in a hotel and I thought, I'm hungry. I didn't have a cell phone on me. I went down to the lobby and I said, is there any place where I could get something to eat? They said, well, everything's closed here, but if you go across the four lane, there's a little convenience store on the other side. You can go in there and get something to eat. So I got out there, and it had been raining, and how many's ever heard of the red clay of Georgia? Friend, I found out personally what that's all about. I ran across two lanes of traffic. I went down in the median, and the median was steep. And as I was going down in the median, it was late at night. My feet slipped out from under me, and I went rolling down into this gully. And as I'm laying there in the gully, I'm thinking, I've been diverted to Atlanta. Nobody knows I'm here. I don't have any cell phone to tell anybody. I'm not even sure I'd brought my ID with me. I'm just going to be one of those people. They find a body. And they don't know who it is. I got up and I had red clay all over me and I was unhurt. I went ahead and got what I was going to get from the store and came back. But I am preaching to somebody that it is the devil's intention for you to die a long way from your spiritual home, a long way from your Pentecostal experience, a long way from the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a long way from everything that your daddy taught you and everything that God has done for you. It is the enemy's preference and desire to take you away to a distant country. And I don't necessarily mean geographically, but I do mean in principle and in culture. And that's when the young man woke up. He came to his senses. He said, at home in my dad's house, <laughs> even the hired help have food enough and to spare and I'm dying of hunger. I'm going home. I'm getting out of this thing. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I've got to get home. I'm, I'm going to go back to my dad, and I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and 
I'm not worthy to be called your child. If you just hire me on, Daddy, just pay me the minimum wage. If you just hire me, I'll, I'll be a common laborer. You've got every right not to put me back in the family because I brought shame on our family. I've done things, you're going to hear about it. It'll be in the news. You're going to hear about some stuff I've been involved in. Daddy, it's nasty, it's gross, it's terrible. I brought a lot of shame on you and upon our family name, but, but Dad, if you'll just hire me, I'll, I'll just live out there in the servants' quarters and that'll be fine. Dad, I never realized what I had. I never realized what I had. And I, I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. Now, I'm going to make another confession. Dads often get accused of not listening when we're supposed to be listening. It's okay if all the wives must say amen. It's true about husbands. It's true about men. And the boy was saying, now, Dad, <laughs> I know you're going to be hearing about some of the stuff I've been involved in, and I don't deserve to be your son anymore. And if you just let me hire on, I'll just be a common laborer. And Dad wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants. He says, quick, bring a new set of clothes. Help him get cleaned up. Please help my boy. Help him get dressed. I want you to put the family ring on his finger. And you know those new shoes I bought for him? You help him get them on his feet. Oh, and that, that grain-fed heifer that I've been fattening for this very occasion. Roast it. We're going to throw a party. Dad, I... Just a minute, son. I'll let you finish this. And, you know, get that heifer and get all that stuff I told you. Now, son, what was that you were saying? And the old tears begin to roll down that boy's face as he realized that his dad loved him so much that no matter what he had done, no matter how far he had gone, no matter what the extent of sin he had fallen into, that dad was not looking at him in a way that would say, yeah, you're not worthy carrying my name. I'll just let you be a servant. No, he said, you come on home, son. I've got a calf I've been fattening for you. I got some clothes. You're going to love these clothes. Dude, you're going to love these clothes. And look at these shoes. You're going to love these shoes. And Oh, I'm going to give you back everything you lost. And then he said, my son is home. Hey, everybody. My son is home. I'll never forget I was preaching over in Nova Scotia. And the Cole family, some of them may be watching tonight. It's amazing how many people are seeing our services. But the Cole family in Nova Scotia, they had uh, the oldest boy that was uh, a prodigal. And they told me that 
one day the door opened and the oldest son walked in and he threw his hat on the couch and he said these words, your prodigal's home. <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost. I know that God is dealing with people who one time spoke with tongues, who one time walked with the Lord, who one time knew what it was to be blessed. Come on, church. Come out of your little daydream right now and come with me. I'm preaching to somebody that's coming home. I'm preaching to somebody that needs to know that God loves them no matter what they've done, no matter what. No matter how far they've fallen, God still loves them. There's people sitting in this church right now that have children that are backslidden and grandchildren backslidden. But I want you to lift your hands with me right now because somebody is listening to this message and God is talking to your heart, my friend. God is talking to your heart. I need every parent, every grandparent, every brother or sister that cares. Would you lift your hands right now? And lift up your voice so somebody can hear you praying. They're listening right now. Let them hear you praying. You love them. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I know tonight I could have just juked and jived and swung from the rafters if there were any. Because we've been singing and shouting and jumping. And, but tonight I just, something in my heart said, oh God, I want the prodigals to come home. It's supper time. I want them to come home and I want to preach about the prodigal coming home. And you know what? I believe the word of God will cause things to come to pass. I believe that the preaching of the word, that God will cause it to, to be backed up with signs and miracles and, and wonders. And he will confirm his word with signs following. Many years ago In days of childhood I used to play Till evening shadows come Then winding Down that old familiar pathway I'd hear my mother call at set of sun come home come home it's supper time the shadows linger and fast how many's noticed this supper time come home 
Come home, it's supper time. We're going home at last. Some of the fondest memories of my childhood were woven around supper time. When my mother used to call from the back steps of that old home place. Come home now, son. It's supper time. And I can still hear that call tonight. Come home. Come home. It's supper time. The shadows lengthen fast. Come home, come home. It's supper time. We're going home at last. Ah, but I'd love to hear that voice one more time. But you know, for me, time has woven the realization of the truth. That's even more thrilling. And that's when the call comes from the portals of glory to come home. And God's going to say, come home, son. It's supper time. We're going home at last. Come home, it's supper time. The shadows lengthen fast. Come home, come home, it's supper time. We're going home at last. I don't know how many are paying attention, but we're watching all the news events, and every child of God should be saying, my God, it's supper time. I'm talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Folks are getting worried about the vaccine. I got news for you, you don't have to be worried about that old vaccine, because the mark of the beast won't come until the church is gone. You don't have to worry about that. What you need to be thinking about is this. It's supper time. Don't miss the coming of the Lord. Girl, speak in tongues as many times as you can. Get full of the Holy Ghost because we're getting ready to leave. It's supper time. And I'm going to ask if you would bow your head with me right now. I feel like there's somebody even in this building that God is talking to. That needs to draw closer to God. There may be somebody here tonight that's never been baptized in Jesus' name. I mentioned that.
please don't put it off another night. It'll never be easier than it is tonight. But Brother Stoops, I don't want anybody to know that I haven't been baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, come on. That's not important. What's important is that you're ready for that great supper. And there may be somebody here tonight that's been straying away from your spiritual heritage. It's been a long time since you prayed through. You see, you can have a spiritual dad and still be lost. So I'm calling to somebody, come home. It's supper time. And I know it may seem to you like it's a long way to get to this altar. But I'm going to ask somebody right now, I believe God is dealing with someone. And I'm going to ask you to get up from where you're sitting and come and stand in front of this platform. I'm going to ask you to cry out to God. Come on now. You know who you are. God, I want to draw closer to you. Well, I see the news reports and I know it's supper time. We're going home. We're going home, Lord. Young man, young woman, dad and mom, it's supper time. If you've got a prodigal in your home, maybe you ought to come for them right now and stand in their place. And if you're watching this service online, and I know you are, why don't you cry out to God right where you're sitting? Because Jesus loves you and you're important to God. I hear him say, come home, come home, it's supper time. The shadows lengthen fast. Don't you hear him? Come home, come home, it's supper time. We're going home at last. You know, I'm just waiting for one more person. I'm not even looking. I got my eyes closed, but I'm waiting for one more person. Because everybody that's supposed to be up here is not up here. And I'm just waiting for one more. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying God is calling you. And you'd be wise to answer his call. Is there one more? Is there one more that would lay aside your pride and say, God, I hear you calling me. I'm coming home. Oh, God, I want to live for you, Jesus. Don't you hear him? He's saying, come home, come home, it's supper time. We're going home now.
Come home, come home, it's supper time. The shadows lengthen fast. Oh, I hear him cry out to you, come home, son, come home, daughter, come home. It's supper time. We're going home at last. Now, I'm going to pray that God would fill every person with the Holy Ghost that wants to be filled. How many would like to be filled or refilled? Oh, there's... I'm going to get refilled every time I can. If you'd like to be filled or refilled with the Holy Ghost, would you close your eyes with me? And would you lift your hand right where you are, wherever you may be in the building? Lord, fill me one more time with the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. Let the Holy Ghost fill my life. Fill me full, oh God, of your Spirit. I hear him say, come home, son. Come home, son. It's supper time. We're going home. Is there somebody in this building that God is talking to you about being baptized in Jesus' name. You may not have come tonight planning to be baptized, but you know that God is talking. You know when it's God. You know when God's talking to you. And if you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus, why not tonight? Why not tonight? Why not tonight? One more time, come home. Come home, it's supper time. The shadows lengthen fast. I hear him say, come home, come home, it's supper time. We're going home at last. Oh, we're going home. Oh, let Jesus fill you right now. Let him fill you with the Holy Ghost. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come home. Come home. Supper time, we're going home at last. We're going home at last. I have this confidence because. I've seen the faithfulness